Good morning to each one. It is so good to be back here with you. Um, since we had gotten the announcement, the invitation, I guess, to Ryan's wedding, we've been looking forward to this weekend to be here with you. And, uh, well, the weekend has come, and now it's almost over. And uh, I don't know about you, but I look forward to, to being with friends and family, and, but it just doesn't last long enough, does it? And then we got to go back home. But anyway, it's been good to be here with you and to uh, catch up again, to fellowship, and uh, get to know you uh, more and better as we continue on. <clears throat> and so this morning, um, I don't know, I guess as I think about um, this message this morning, um, must have left one of my papers back home. Anyway, um, as we think about the message this morning, my mind has gone in many, many directions, thinking about the past year and a half that we have all uh, experienced and have gone through. You know, COVID-19 um, will be something that we never forget, will we? And it brought about um, lots of different things, changes. Um, things took place, things happened that, that we didn't like, we didn't agree with, but we had to go along and here we are today, 2021 of August, and it seems like we're still facing some of these things with, with COVID. There's still people that are getting sick. Um, but anyway, um, as I thought about all that, this message that I'm wanted to share, want to share with you is one that was born um, a year ago, I guess, out of situations and circumstances that I experienced. And it's taken from Romans chapter 8, the last part of that chapter. Chapter 8, verse 31 through 39. And I guess there's, there's just been a lot of, a lot of things that, uh, have, that have worked into um, being a part of this message. I'm just going to read those verses and then we'll go from there. Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? 
Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now this morning, I know most of you, but I don't know what all that you have experienced in the past year. I don't know what all your situations have been, um, what you faced. If you had, maybe there was a death in the family, maybe there was a loss of a job, maybe there was um, a terrible accident, um, maybe there was some spiritual battles that you faced. I don't know. But I do know this morning that if God be for us, who can be against us? And as the Apostle Paul penned here in this chapter, verse 37 is what we want to focus on. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, that loved us. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. <clears throat> Now here a couple years ago, there was a, a large forest fire out west. Thousands of acres were being burnt, and a photographer for a national magazine was assigned to get photos of this great forest fire. <clears throat> and so smoke at the scene um, hampered him. And he asked his home office to, to hire a plane because going out there personally, by the, he, he couldn't get very good pictures. So he asked the office to hire him a plane so he could fly overhead and get some pictures. Arrangements were made, and he was told to go at once to a nearby airport where the plane would be waiting. And when he arrived at the airport, a plane was warming up near the runway. He ran with his equipment, jumped in with his equipment, and yelled, let's go, let's go. The pilot swung the plane into the wind, and they soon were in the air. He was telling him to fly over to the north side and make three or four low passes. Why, asked the pilot. Because I'm going to take some pictures, cried the photographer. I'm a photographer, and a photographer takes pictures. After a pause, the pilot said, you mean you're not the instructor? You know, sometimes that's exactly how life appears to us at times, doesn't it? We're in such a chaotic mess, and we forget who the instructor is. 
We forget who is guiding us and who is directing us. It seems at times that whoever may be driving the plane doesn't know where he's going or what he's doing. But that's just how things appear to us. From our point of view, it seems that our lives get into more messes than we can figure out. But again, that's just how things appear. And according to the Bible, the children of God are a perpetually victorious people. If you are a born-again Christian, child of God, blood-bought child of God, you know what I'm talking about. Because we have the, the absolute that we can come back to, the word of God. That's what we need to keep in mind. And that is how that we can be more than conquerors through him that loved us. You know, we can't always see it. We don't always feel it. We don't always live like it. But it's true nonetheless. I think of the children of Israel. In uh, I'm just going to turn to that in Exodus chapter 6. As I think about being more than conquerors. And as we look at chapter 6 of Exodus, there in about verse 6, he says, now this is Moses, the Lord said unto Moses in verse, verse 1, Wherefore, he says, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. This is God talking to Moses. He's saying, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgment. Now, what more could a person ask for? This was straight from God through Moses to the children of Israel. He goes on to say in verse 7, I will take you to me for a people. I will be to you a God. And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I don't know what for burden you're under this morning, what your situation is. But I can tell you this morning that if you commit it to the Lord, God will see you through. And you can be more than conquerors through him that loved you. He goes on to say, And I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for an heritage. I am the Lord, he says. There is only one. There's only one God. There was not two gods, three, four. There's only one. Unless there would be some confusion amongst the children of Israel. Because I believe they were under great burden. They were under great stress. They were under great, uh, you know, uh, circumstances there. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto... Notice what it says here. They hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. How many times do we find ourselves this morning not heeding or paying attention to what the Word of God tells us. We read it, we have read it, 
And maybe we, we read the same passage over and over, but we don't pay attention to it, and we don't learn from it, and we don't grow from it. But here, he says, he tells us here that they hearken not unto Moses. They, you know, you would think that here Moses, a man of God, God speaking through him and showing him and telling him what to do. But they hearken not unto him. And then again, verse 10, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Go in, speak unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spake before the Lord, saying, Behold, the children of Israel have not hearkened unto me. Can you imagine being in Moses' shoes? Here he's responsible for all of these people. And they don't listen to him. He says, how then shall Pharaoh hear me? If the children of Israel don't listen to me, how are they going to listen to me? Who am I of uncircumcised lips? Notice what God says. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron and gave them a charge unto the children of Israel and unto Pharaoh king of Egypt to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. He gave them a charge, gave them the responsibility, gave them permission, you might say. You bring the children of Israel out. And we know, and we can read through Exodus there, over and over and over again, the children of Israel, how they complained and murmured and groaned and moaned. You know, and it's, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a perfect picture of us today, isn't it? We have so much. God has been so good. Even through COVID-19, even through all of our circumstances, even through all of your deepest moments, God has still been good. And it's because I believe as a child of God that we come, we, we, we come back to the, to the word of God and, and to the to the absolute. That's where our source, that's where our strength comes from. And through that, we're able to be more than conquerors through him that loved us. And so the verse before us today has brought comfort and hope to the hearts of God's children for over 2,000 years. It reminds us, yes, that we are more than conquerors in spite of how things appear to us, or in spite of how we may feel about our circumstances. And that's what we want to look at this morning and talk a little bit about. You may not feel like a conqueror today. You might feel like an inexperienced pilot is at the yoke of your life. Instead of looking to the instructor you may be looking to someone who is not experienced. Or you're not hearkening to, as it was the case with Moses. Regardless of how you feel, this verse, these verses that we read in Romans, they offer words of hope, peace, and encouragement to those who feel discouraged, defeated, and overwhelmed by life. And I have to say this morning, as I stand before you, 
the past year, I actually was on six months sabbatical where I took time away from preaching to just reflect on my relationship with the Lord because of what we had gone through. And I have to tell you, I have to tell you that it was not easy. It was very, very difficult. I never felt so down and so burdened and so the weight was just so great. I didn't know where, what to do, you know. I just, and finally, it came to me. Actually, these verses, what came to me, were more than conquerors through him that loved us. And so as we go through this morning, this message, I want to show you the facts that are revealed here that teach us that we are more than conquerors and how that works and how that it looks. Paul uses the phrase more than conquerors. This translates a word that only appears here in the New Testament. It refers to those who gain a surpassing victory. It means to be completely victorious, to carry away an overwhelming victory. And I have to tell you this morning that as, as I stand before you, that there is total peace in my heart of where I am at because of what we had gone through. God has been my rock, my buckler, my shield. And he has seen us through. <clears throat> it literally has the idea of us being super conquerors. May I say this morning that if you are here and you have made that commitment and the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, you know what I'm talking about because it's real. And it works. It works. You know, when Paul writes that we are super conquerors, he uses a tense that suggests a present tense now and an active situation. In other words, he's saying that Christians keep on winning a glorious victory. He's saying that even when all of life is arrayed against us, we are still more than conquerors, conquerors uh, through him that loved us. Regardless of how things feel to us or look to us, we are still more than conquerors. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14 says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. Now if there's ever anyone that, would, that, would, that we should listen to and take notice would be the Apostle Paul because of his experiences and because of his life story and the things that he went through, the things that he faced. May I say this morning, brothers and sisters, that the Apostle Paul faced some pretty ugly situations. Difficult. It would probably make our hair stand on our head if we knew the details of what he actually went through and how he was treated. 
I don't know if any of us here have ever been treated to that extent, but I'm sure your experiences are maybe something to that degree. I don't know. And so, and as he says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, but thanks be unto God, which giveth us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through him. And so our prayer should be that we would accept by faith the promises of God concerning the victory we have in Jesus. You know, this morning as the brother was taking praise report and uh, prayer re requests, the sisters mentioned the situation in Afghanistan. You know, I, I don't know the, to the degree of, of well, how bad that is over there, but I believe this morning it's bad. I believe it's bad. And as, as the one sister mentioned, you know, the church is growing in leaps and bounds. People are coming to the knowledge of the truth and accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior amidst the, the awful, awful turmoil and situation, the, the chaos and the, the martyrdom that's taking place there. I listened to a, a, a clip of someone that had recorded, or actually was talking to a friend of theirs that was over there, Christian, and was talking to them, and in the middle of their, of their conversation, they got cut off. She heard gunshots, and then they were cut off. And it is said that the Taliban was going around, and as they were going around, if they got a hold of your phone, for an example, and if you had a Bible app on your phone, then it was just, it was a no question. You were just shot. Awful, awful situation. But, you know, those people are coming to the knowledge of the truth, and they recognize where their strength comes from. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, the realm of our conquest should be, as Paul says, that we are more than conquerors in all these things. Most of us have the idea that <clears throat> victory occurs when we are living lives that are free from troubles, afflictions, heartaches, uh, you name it. Paul says that reality is something far different. You know, and, and he experienced it. He went through it. The, uh, these things Paul is referring to can be found here in these verses from verse 33 to 35. I want to look at them uh, a little bit, a list of these problems or, or things, and you'll see that many of these things are a common part of living. Verse 33, um, Paul says here that we're conquerors. We're, we are super conquerors in spite of those who charge us. Notice there, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. We're victorious over all those who would challenge our relationship with the Lord. If you were put on trial this morning, if you were to stand before the judge, would there be enough evidence would there be enough evidence as they look at your life and what you have done 
to set you free. Verse 34, more than conquer in spite of those who condemn us. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. <clears throat> you know, we're victorious over those who would declare that we are unworthy before the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 35, in spite of those who confound us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Have you ever asked yourself that question? And have you come to the conclusion that Christ is my all in all and there's nothing going to separate me from him? I don't care what I go through. I don't care what I'm faced with. I don't care what for terrible, radical decision. I, my relationship is with the Lord Jesus Christ and no one is going to separate me from that. Here in verse 35, he asks the question, shall tribulation? You know, and going through terrible situations makes you lose heart. I have to be honest with you this morning. It makes you lose heart in feeling that nobody cares and that you're worth nothing and that What's the use? Wanting to just throw in the towel. But we can't do that. That's not what God wants. That's not what he intended. I believe it's through those times. In fact, I know it is that he strengthens us and gives us the ability to be more than conquerors through him that loved us. <clears throat> <clears throat> tribulation to be squeezed or to feel pressure this is the common problems all people face John 16 33 says these things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace in the world he says ye shall have tribulation but be of good cheer I have overcome the world remember that verse John 16, verse 33. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Yes, you're going to face circumstances and situations. But he says, be of good cheer, even through these tribulations and these, this distress and this persecution, the, the famine, the nakedness, the peril. So, you know, take heart. Be of good cheer. Why? Because Jesus, our Lord and Savior, has overcome the world. He has won the victory. I have to think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As you think about being squeezed or the pressure, you know, they were told at the sound of the, of the flute and the cornet and the, you know, the sounds of, of the, the mus musicians, they were to bow to the king, to the idol, but they wouldn't. What happened? 
This is a story that the children all know, I trust. They were told if they wouldn't bow, what would happen? Any of you children tell me? What would happen to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego if they didn't bow to the king? Hmm? They would be thrown in the fiery furnace. Not Now that would be pressure, wouldn't it? Can you imagine finding yourself in that situation? They had no fear. They had no trouble. They just simply would not bow. And so they were thrown into the fiery furnace. What happened? As the king looked in, he not only seen three, but he seen four. He seen four. Jesus was in there with them. The Bible tells us that they didn't even smell a smoke, not even their hair or their clothes. I can't grasp that. But that's our God. They knew where they stood. They knew where they stood. More than conquerors through him that loved us. We have the account of Daniel. When, he made, when the, the king made a decree that whoever would be caught praying would be thrown into the den of lions. Did Daniel hide? Did he run in the back room? Look out the back window? No, he stayed right where he was at. Three times a day, he prayed out of the window. Not ashamed. All the time came, and he was thrown into the den of lions. But what did he say? If it be so... God whom we serve is able to deliver us from, well, that was the uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. My God has sent his angels and has shut the lion's mouths, he said. Confidence. You know, those who were martyred, I don't know if you've ever read the stories and the accounts in the martyr's mirror of those that were taken out and burned at the stake, put in barrels of hot oil, their tongues cut out. And, you know, the list goes on and on, the horrible things that took place. There's one of those accounts that really stands out to me as I think about more than conquerors through him that loved us and knowing where we stand, how our faith is. I forget what his name is right now, but he was tied to a wagon, the running gear of a wagon. and He was being taken out to be burned at the stake. And on the way out, on the way out, he was able to manage to pick a flower, pick a flower from the field. And when they got to where he was to be burned at the stake, he showed his accusers and those who were tying him to the stake. He said, you may burn me at the stake, but this flower will not be consumed. Can you imagine? And after he was burnt at the stake, this was such, a, such an impact on those men that they couldn't help themselves but to go back in there and dig through the rubbish and the ashes and they found the flower. Pretty as ever. Unburnt. Unmarked. That's our God. That individual. Like I said, I don't remember what his name was. But those are true accounts. They knew where they stood. They were more than conquerors 
if you and I think that we have gone through hard times, difficult times, and, and I'm sure you have, but I've never faced anything like that. And I have to ask myself the question, am I really more than a conqueror? Am I able to stand through the persecution, the famine, the nakedness, the peril, the sword? We're more than conquerors, not by avoiding these things, but by triumphing over them through Jesus Christ. Our pain and our suffering is very real, but so is God's purpose. We must remember that his plan for our lives and our plan for our lives is rarely the same plan. I'm sure you could all testify to that. There are things that have taken place, things that have changed, um, things that are happening right now, right before our eyes. We don't understand. We don't know why. We ask questions. But you know, in the midst of all of this, God has his hand upon these situations and he's moving them and changing them for his glory. We just have to be faithful and fit into that plan. And when we do, we can be more than conquerors through him. He's refining our lives. 1 Peter 1, 7 says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. We don't realize it, but that's, that's really what he's doing. He's refining us. He's getting us ready. He's getting you prepared. Because the ultimate goal... The ultimate goal here is to be in glory with Jesus Christ, isn't it? Who is at the right hand of God. And when we can be victorious, we can remain faithful, steadfast. That's what will take place. I can't wait for that day. You know, when that day comes, we'll never part. We'll be together forever. And ever, and ever. He's remaking our lives. When he finishes with us, we will be less like ourselves and more like his son. <clears throat> Romans 8, 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. In Ephesians 4, verse 13, Paul says there, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And the third point here in this portion is he's realigning our lives. You know, we're a people who kind of likes to kind of lost in life, don't we? We kind of get off the trail. And we, we need to be realigned. We need to be realigned. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 12, 
verses 7 to 11. We're not going to take time to turn to that. But he, he says there that God is working in us to bring us to a place where life ceases to be about us. Not about uh, us, but all about him and his will for us. You know, I have to think this morning, I don't know if I've ever shared it here or not, but, you know, in the work that I do back home um, <clears throat> at the shop, the programming and, and working with CNCs and, and uh, all that, when you get there in the morning... You have to, you have to uh, wake up the CNCs. You have to wake them up. You have to turn them on. Well, you don't just turn them on because they don't know where they're at. There's a little exercise that you have to run them through to home them. You have to make so the machine knows that they are home, zero comma zero. And so that when you put a program in, it knows where to start. That's where it goes from. It needs to be home. If that machine is not homed, and we've had this happen, where the operators didn't perform the, the function that it needed to do, and it, was, it, it just did all kinds of weird things, and you got parts that were just, it was chaos, it was a mess. May I say this morning, that's how it is with us. That's how it is with you and I. When you get up in the morning, you need to home yourself with the Word of God. You start out without homing yourself on the Word of God, your day is likely going to be a mess. Maybe not always, but good chance. And so... I've used this illustration many times. You know, we need to home ourselves with God. Get in line with God. Know where you're at before you begin any kind of function. Because if you don't, you're liable to cause a lot of chaos. And we can see that in our day's world, the employees that we have to hire, the people you work with, people you train, they obviously do not know how to start their day. And we have all kinds, from all kinds of, all walks of life. And it tries your patience. And I've tried to explain that to them, this very thing that I just shared with you, that when you wake up, you need to begin your day with God. They just kind of look at you like, huh, what, what do you mean? God, what, you know? It's because they haven't been taught, haven't been told, haven't been shown. We have the blessed privilege and opportunity to teach our children and to show them, to help them, to see and to understand, to come home to the Word of God. Begin your day with the Word of God so that you, through the day, can be more than conquerors through him that loved us. That's what it's all about. Anyway, the reason for our conquest. Paul tells us that the only reason that we are victorious in this life is through him that loved us. Our victory does not lie within ourselves. Our victory rests in him alone. Never forget that. Never forget that. <clears throat> Consider for a moment what we deserve. 
What does Paul tell us in Romans 6, verse 23 there, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Think about the nature of his love. Jeremiah penned it very good, I believe. In chapter 33, verse 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, he says, and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You know, there's many things that we don't understand. We don't know. And so we have to constantly be in that relationship, that, that, uh, um, that mode of interacting with God and asking him, talking to him, Lord, show me, help me. When we do that, we can be more than conquerors through him that loved us. Stop and think about also what he did to prove his love for us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. Way back when I didn't know anything about the Bible, the word of God, didn't know what it meant to be born again, to be a child of God, you know, I grew up in a plain home. I grew up in a, you know, good, good home. My dad and mom treated us well. But it was just different. It was just different. We weren't, we weren't really taught. Um, I remember probably the only time that the scriptures were read was at Christmas time. And as I got older, you know, I began to feel that tug. And that need for that relationship. And to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And as I was more and more exposed to the word of God, that came. But, you know, thinking about all that. But God commendeth his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, way back there, Christ died for us. He loved us that much. Yes. <clears throat> the love of God for his children is so vast, so deep, and so far-reaching that God wants us to know that nothing can separate us from his great love for us. He loved us so much as if there was, his love is so great as if there was only one, if there was only one of us here to love, he would still love us that much. Verses 38 and 39 are a commentary on the depth, the breadth, the height, the length of God's love for his children. Paul tells us that none of these things mentioned in these verses can separate us. I believe this morning that there's a lot of things that get our attention and tend to want to pull us away and separate us from what we really should do. But Paul says here in these verses, nothing, if we are truly his, nothing can separate us from the love of God. The, sep the word separate means to divide, to put asunder, to divorce, to put away, have nothing to do with. 
The word able in verse 38 means to have power. In other words, none of these things people fear so much has any power to divide us from his awesome love. Paul knew his share of the trials and torments of life. He talks about that in 2 Corinthians. We're not going to take time to, do, to turn to that. Yet he tells us in verse 38 that he is persuaded. He is persuaded. That phrase is in the perfect tense. It means that Paul stands convinced there was nothing that could change his mind. Nothing that could detour him from that. Nothing can change his mind about the matter. He knows that God knows what he is doing and that the saints can count on the boundless eternal love for Jesus Christ to see him through. That was Paul's prayer to the Ephesians, believers. And it is, is his will for us as well. So, this morning, in conclusion, are you convinced? Are you where you, where God wants you to be? Are you persuaded that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ? Are you more than conquerors through him that loved us? I trust you are. I believe you're a people that knows where you stand. You're not ashamed of the gospel. You're not ashamed of what God has done for you and what he is doing for you. Keep it up. I believe, I believe the day is coming when the eastern skies are going to split open and Jesus Christ is going to return. Can you imagine that sight? I can't grasp that. But that's what's going to happen. The trumpet is going to sound. The dead in Christ shall rise. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we are so thankful for these scriptures that you have again revealed to us. You have shown us. You've taught us. And again, Lord, this morning, our prayer is, help us, O oh God, as your people, to never lose sight of what you have said, but to hearken and to listen and to obey what you tell us in your word, that we, and so that we can be more than conquerors through him that loved us. Father, I pray for this congregation. I pray for every home that's represented here. I pray, Lord, for the children, for the young boys and the young girls. I pray that you would bless them. May you give them a heart of obedience, Lord. May you give them a heart of love and compassion in wanting and striving and desire to live for you and to walk after you. Be with us now. Guide us and direct us. Above all, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the finished work at Calvary. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen. I think I'll turn the time back over to whoever here.